So, so exciting to be back in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord, with you guys all know a lot of you, not all of you, but hopefully that will change throughout this year. Um, and yeah, I think just to keep true um, what we see in the elders, I, I believe I do have to say that I'm not married yet. My name is Scott Willenberger. I am dating the beautiful Phoebe. Yes, sitting in front. And emphasis on, on the word yet there. Eh? So watch this space. Anyway, getting back. Getting back here. Yeah, um, I am... I've been in Josh J now for almost three years. Someone said to me, now, I said and recently, now, I'm a vet here. I'm like, you're in, in studies PM, that is maybe a vet, but in general, that's not. So, yeah, so I serve, in, I serve as a deacon here in the life of the church, and it has just been an amazing time with the Lord here and seeing how He has worked around me, through me, and so cool for me to see here as well. Um, awesome. So, just a bit about my story as well. Um, before I get into the preach. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I actually have my parents here. They are here as well. They came through. Um, so yes, my name is Skolk Willem, but if you just, you can say Skolk, otherwise he might respond now while he's here, but Skolk or Skala is fine. And anyway, so I grew up in a Christian home, um, got to see the example that they set in how to do this thing the way they loved the Lord. But when I was 12, however, my father did came to me and said, Buddha, now you must choose as well. You've seen how we have lived this thing. You've seen how we have walked this thing, um, loving the Lord. Now you have to choose as, as well, which is what I did. And then I said the, the prayer, the message. I did that decision. But from there on, there wasn't a clear moment, a clear time. I'm going to pick this thing up. Where I actually learned or felt that I knew what the what now was and how do I continue on this thing in becoming more godly, living out this gospel and living out this Christian life and not only having said that and having prayed the prayer and now what now? So my thoughts at that stage was mostly, not always, but mostly that, you know, I need to have good morals, I can read the Bible, pray, we go to church, we, we do this thing, and there was, there was life in that. I'm not, I'm not saying it was dead, but my mind set around that it was definitely distorted and wrong in a certain sense. And I actually did that well, that, you know, doing the right thing, you know, all that. I was your typical high school definition of a plichy, if you guys know <laughs> well, what that means, and just to... You know, explain why I say this. Um, in grade eight, when I went into high school, I also got elected on to leadership. And being the rule follower that I was, and hopefully to a certain extent still am, I bought one of those telephone books. You know, that's numbered from A to Z there in the index. And what I would do is I would sit in class as normal, but I would keep my eyes open. If someone was eating on their phone in the class, I'd write their names in my little black book, my black telephone book, and then I'd go to the teacher afterwards and say, teacher, these people did this and this in your class. I was not the favorite, as you can imagine. And after a while, I got too hungry that I also started eating in class, and that book <laughs> fell away. So, yeah, so that's what I meant with you know, where I was in this sense. But this, all this trying to do the right thing and following these things, but not actually knowing the, the why and the what now, it was tiring to stay in what I thought was God's good books. I wanted more knowledge. I read a, a lot of Bible, and I wanted to get all these things and get more knowledge so that I can sound better and look better to God and people. But there wasn't actually a deep desire to go nearer and nearer. 
I was building on the knowledge about the rock, but, not, but very little actually on the rock personally, intimately. So that when, but then, and, the, and then also, of course, when a storm then came, I struggled to stand on that rock, giving into temptation a lot. Some things like lust and entertainment was able to sweep me up easily because it was a release of the pressure that I felt to perform for God and for people. But a turning point did, of course, come. That's why I'm, I'm able to stand here before you guys today when I not only went to, but actually got more involved in a local church as well, having people not only around my life, but in my life as well, who also loves the Lord and who can speak in to me and, and encourage me and show me on this, on this journey that we are all on. It was also then the first time that I heard the saying that we must preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Now, at this stage, my understanding of what the gospel was is that you, you give your love or, or you, you heard the gospel, someone taught it to you or said it to you, shared it with you, you gave your life. Now you know the gospel, you've checked that box on it, heard the gospel, I'm good, and now I should go and tell people about it if I have the, the enough courage, if I'm brave enough, you know. And that's how we are getting to today's title, Our Daily Gospel. So I think just to get us all on the same page here, what is the gospel and what it means? Now, literally, in essence, the word means good news or a good story. You know? But what is this good news for us? And our first verse here, and I touched on this when he started, is in 1 Timothy 1.15. I'm going to read with you guys. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And that's, in essence, the gospel. It's the rescue mission of Jesus coming down, being God, coming down to save us sinners through his life, his death, and resurrection. And he, and he came to save us so that we can, have, so, so, so we can step into a living relationship with him. Now, the question for today that I want to go look at is, is this gospel only for sinners and unbelievers, those hearing it for the first time, to get saved, or is it for us as well? those who are believers and who have walked a road with the Lord already. And I believe this is answered really well for us in, in Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. And uh, um, we can go on, yes. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. But you can go about back to verse 16, Elon. Thanks. Now, we see here those words that Paul is using, just as. And he speaks about just as you received Christ Jesus. That initial saying yes to the gospel, receiving him into a heart, is receiving Christ Jesus. But then Paul says, just as you received him, now continue to live in him. And we see the Bible does address this, and it does say yes. In the same way as we received him, we now continue to live in him in him as our Lord and Savior. And we see here the gospel is also for believers to live out the Christian life into fruition. And just before I, I go into the preach further, I'm, I'm just, just to get it out there, I'm not speaking on this topic because I feel that I'm sorted, you know, I'm all good in this topic, that I know exactly, and I'm getting this right perfectly. Actually, quite the opposite, you know, in that, that, in that 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says that he is the foremost of sinners whom Christ came to save. And in some sense, I feel like I'm the foremost 
of those who struggle to be consistent in this thing of allowing God to guide and live through, our, through my daily life and not going back to my own skills and my own abilities, trusting in myself. But it's because of this battle against not trying in my own abilities and not running within myself that I feel that God has departed and trained in me four things that I do want to share with you today on how not to only preach and initially but live out this daily gospel of ours as well. So for those of you who are the note-taking type, I'm also one of them, but I won't be joining you today. Um, there's going to there's, there's gonna be four points um, that I'm going to touch on, so, but I'll yeah, make them clear to you as well. Point number one, uh, <laughs> to live out this daily gospel of ours, it's only possible by the power of God. And it's so cool, Henry did share this with us in Romans 1.16, and it's also spelled out so clearly here for us. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we see it's, it's not saying it is some you know, beautiful speech or this powerful speech, this zealous guy standing and preaching the gospel and it's all, I don't know, a big show and lights and speakers. No, no, it is the power of God for salvation. We can try all we want, but if the power of God doesn't come in, we won't be saved and the gospel won't be able to change our hearts. We need the power of God to come in. Next verse in 1 Corinthians 1.17 that I want to look at. Paul again is writing and he's saying, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And, and now this, And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And now Paul is here touching more on what we say and how we say this thing. And it says the way he preaches, the way God has shown him how to preach this gospel is not with these words of eloquent wisdom, not with these, I don't know, Shakespeare English type things, or you knowing your Bible, you can read it from back to front almost, you know. You know, it's, it's, that does definitely help if you know your Bible, absolutely. But it's not with words of eloquent wisdom. And yes, God, of course, will, as we spend time in His Word and spend time with Him, teach us His wisdom through His Spirit as we grow in maturity and godliness. But as Paul is saying, if we think, you can keep that verse up, thanks, Nilan, if we keep or if we trust and think it is through the wise and eloquent words of wisdom that, we are, that the gospel is going to change our lives and affect people's lives, it actually empties the cross of its power, the power to save and change our lives. Then going next, also in 1 Corinthians, but in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, very similar thing that Paul is speaking about. He says, And my speech and my message in preaching about the gospel were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we see there those words, so that. And with that, I want to come to here. Paul gives us the why it is only by the power of God that, that this daily gospel will be able to actually change the way we live and we'll be able to continue on this walk with the Lord. The why behind this. And, and we see Paul giving it there in verse 5. He says, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It comes back to faith again. If it's in this words of eloquent wisdom and the way we do these things, our skills, our abilities, our faith won't rest in God. It's going to rest in us or people around us whom we think is the catalysts in this area allowing this. 
but it says it's so that our faith can rest in God. For us to, to realize, okay, it's not by myself, it's through Him, through His power, through the power of God, and our faith resting in that. It's not our own or someone else's strategy, not some self-help book that we, that we are going to read that's going to allow us to live this daily gospel out continuously, consistently. It's us by faith, as we sung now, making space for God to come and demonstrate His power, that demonstration, to come and demonstrate His power through us and around us. And this may seem a bit abstract and, and very theoretical in the Word, so I do want to tell you a testimony to make it a bit more practical. Um, two of the, the priests in Yakumi as well, we were, um, last week, we went to a school camp in Lutzville. If you don't know where that is, I, I also didn't. Um, <laughs> it's on the way up to Namibia. You drive, you turn left in near Friedendal, um, near Strandfontein, if you guys know that area from, of the beach. Um, anyway, so we went there, asked, asked to prepare some sessions to go and teach the kids there. It's the high school kids, grade 8 to 12. And I can't speak for all of them, but for me, I felt, you know, the main thing going in, you know, the big thing of this weekend is, for me, is, is going to be my session. You know, my session, my preach that I'm going to give there, it's, it, it, you know, it needs to be powerful, you know, it needs to have this weight, you know, their lives are going to change, you know, and I thought I, I need to focus so much on that which I did, um, but actually, and of course the Lord did you know, in my preach in that session, and in general through our sessions there as well, He did work through that as well, but I think to come and teach me something else, the anointing of God, the power of God actually mostly came when I least expected it. It was in those discipleship conversations, in the worship, in, that, in those two to pray for one another, where His power, not any of my abilities, not any of our beautiful words or, you know, we are university, they are school kids, you know, because we are smart or something. None of that was able to come and change that. It was his power, exactly when we didn't think that came and changed those kids' hearts. And now we can see the fruits of that already. And from this testimony that I now share, I want us to see that the way we want God to move can't be boxed in or limited in any way. But we need to recognize where we are trusting in our own abilities, in our own skills and strengths, so that we can surrender those areas, pray and see God move in and through us, still using those skills and abilities as well. Point number two that I want to get to, and this is going to be a bit more practical for those of you who like those practical things. Consistency. We need consistency in our lives to walk out in this daily gospel. Big Mike, Mike DeFay, I think Needham has that quote. In 2017, he wrote an article, um, and it, it was about us training in godliness. And this quote he um, wrote there in his well, he said, Don't minimize the consistent and unspectacular practice of loving God when no one sees. And this consistent, especially refers to consistent in scripture, in prayer, in worship, that Acts 2.42, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to the fellowship. Consistency. And then with consistency, I want to specifically look at a verse in Job. And although I don't think this verse all, um, especially refers to consistency um, mostly, but I do think that God wants to impart something to us on consistency through this verse. And I'll, I'll read it together with you guys. 
just before this, the context of this verse, it's speaking about all Job's possessions and his children, his seven sons and his three daughters, all his wealth. And it says now that his children, when there were feasts in that area in the, in the land that they lived in, they would host these big parties and you know, probably invite friends and things. And then this is now Job's reaction after that. It says, And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. And, and there are three questions, three further questions that I want to that I believe we can identify from this verse, Job's actions, that I want to challenge us on. The first one is, are we consistent in living our, our daily gospel when it is not convenient for our time? And, and you see here, it says, Job, rising early in the morning. And of course, I think for our students, you know, the nights are usually, if you are in res or if you are just on, on, on campus, it's tough to rise early in the mornings because it doesn't get quiet so early in the evenings. Um, I'm usually a morning person, so I'm with you guys in this struggle. So for us, if it is uncomfortable for our sleep, are we still consistent in our daily walk with God? If it's exam times, heavy workload, work deadlines, if you may be working for those single working individuals here, race people or students, if it's dance season, 21st season, race week, all these fun things that we can give ourselves to, which are good, yes. But are we in that still consistent in living out this daily gospel? Because that's the main thing still. Question number two, are we consistent in living in our daily gospel, even if it costs us something? We see here Job rising early and offering our burnt offerings according to the number of them all, speaking of his children. Now, he had 10 children, so every morning, every time after there was a party, and I assume he paid for the parties, there were 10 of his cows, sheep, chickens, whatever it was, 10 of them were slaughtered every morning for the offerings. It, it cost him something to do this thing continually, but the lives of his children mattered more to him than his material possessions, his material wealth. Are we clinging to our money and possessions? It's anyway all his, because the gospel meaning him coming down to save us, now we're under him, his reign, his kingdom. It's anyway all his, as we also heard in the stewardship teaching. And for us, examples here, of course, an obvious one, tithing. It's not our money, actually. Also more practical for us, maybe, if you have a car, lifting, or even if you don't, but contributing petrol money to get to come or equipping sessions, church, gatherings, 412 conferences, things that can change your or someone else in your car's life. Or even just snacks for calm. Don't think someone else is going to bring it every time. Oh, peanut spa, en route, they are a bit expensive. But again, are we willing? Are we willing? Question number three. Are we consistent in living in our daily gospel when it is going well and not? And we see here in this verse again, Job offered something, whether something happened or not, whether his children sinned or not, he got up early in the, in the morning and offered for them. And he did this continually. Now, do we desire to be trained up in godliness and looking like Jesus when we are struggling, when we're going through those tough times? 
was our first instinct just to get out of that struggle, out of that tough time, as quickly as we can? Do we desire to be trained up in godliness and looking like Jesus when we are flourishing, when it's going well, when tests went well, when we're healthy and all, all these things? Or are we only enjoying the glory and the achievements, forgetting actually he was the only one worthy of that glory? Now, I just felt here yeah, this thing of how a hard posture of humility will surely lead to teachability, for, for God to come and how, show us and teach us how to live this daily gospel. Point number three, living out this daily gospel, it needs faith. Now, in the first point that we looked at on the power of God, we saw the, the why that Paul was speaking about, it, and it was so that faith can be found in him and not in ourselves, not in our own abilities. And also to explain a bit of this point, I will want to share another story or testimony with you guys where this really, or where God used this really powerfully in my life. It was last year's exam season, um, or last year's second semester exam time. And up until that stage, I knew this, it, it, was, it was going to be the final year of my undergrad. It's important exams, all this. And there was this thing in me, this nervousness and this stress, not, not necessarily for the exams and the papers and passing, but this thing of, I knew in the past with, you know, earlier exam seasons, very often I, would, I felt that I needed to go into this robotic, unemotional state of, you know, just studying the whole time, you know, get up out of res, go to the SES, get out for lunch, go back to the SES, you know, and that, that was just day in and day out. But... It wasn't walking in love and making time for love and for God's people, which is actually why we are here, not for ourselves. And then actually, Phoebe, I shared this with her, and then she gave me a word of faith. And I want to specifically look at um, one verse that she gave me. It's in Psalm 77. And I'm looking at the NLT uh, just because it, I think it really hits home what I'm trying to say. And David is writing. It's in context of him writing and speaking about God's greatness and speaking about how Moses led the Israelites through, out of Egypt and then through the sea. And it says, Your road led through the sea and your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. And at that stage, I didn't know if the pathway through this exam season was there, but still putting God first, still desiring to live out this daily gospel and not going back to my own skills, my own abilities, my own strengths. But it needed faith. And like Peter stepping out on, onto the water, going to Jesus, we need a, a little faith. Or, or are we going to be maybe the one whom Jesus is going to ask, maybe in a quiet time with him, um, O ye of little faith, why do you doubt? Just as he asked Peter. And it needs faith to step out of that boat, step out in that and say, not in my strength, Lord, but yours. Not through my strategy, Lord, but by your spirit. And coming back to the testimony, I definitely didn't get it perfectly right, but it, I can definitely testify of the fruit of going through that, through that exam season and desiring to still live out a daily gospel, live out this daily walk with God, not neglecting his people, not neglecting him, and seeing the fruit of what he did in those people, you know, those ones who were... Uh, around me at that time through their lives as well. And point number four, and I'm going to land with this one, 
is, of course, we can see all these points and things that we need to do to live out this daily gospel that we see that we need to do. But just how? What's the method? And the method that God gave us so faithfully that he said it's better that he goes because he's going to send the helper, the spirit. And that is our method for this walk with God, for this daily gospel. And we see it's not only us now, but the early church was also confronted with this truth of living out the gospel. In Galatians 3, verse 3, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. He says, Are you then so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And it's again this thing of being, having begun by the Spirit. It needs to be by the Spirit that we get saved, that, that we initially hear this gospel and get saved. But so easy that after we've now did this, we think we can continue in our own flesh, in our own works, and looking good and doing good, to be pleasing to God and to people, to fit in at church, to have that Christian mask, the, the Christian persona up. And, and we see now it's not, not only by the Spirit of God coming in power that we are able to receive the gospel and get saved, but it's also by His Spirit that we are able to live lives and be transformed and see His power transform us to look more like Him. And how did this, this happen? How practically, how, does, how is this thing going to work in our lives? And I think for us to see this, I think we want an example on how, how to do this thing. And I think the, the, the only perfect example we, we can have in how to live out this daily gospel following the Spirit is looking at the, the only perfect example, and, and that's Jesus. And we know and, and we can see in Scripture that he was completely dependent on God. Just imagine what it would mean for us if Jesus did what his flesh would have wanted to do, what his own desires would have been. That moment in the garden before the cross, just those moments if he followed himself and his own desires and not looked towards God, followed the Spirit. In John 5, 19, Jesus is speaking and he says, So then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And this is Jesus relying on the power of God, the Spirit of God living in him, and not in his own ideas, his own strategy. And we see in this to live by the Spirit, just as Jesus was able to do what the Father wanted him to do, because he saw the Father. He, it says there, but only what he sees the Father doing. And for us to live by the Spirit, we need to see what the Spirit is doing. We need to look towards the Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean we need to look up the whole time and walk around like this. When we go around the Instalambad, it's going to be a bit weird, I think, actually. Um, but it is looking towards God through Scripture, in prayer, in worship, even going through our days, being able to maybe stay back for a moment, in this rush of life, being able to stay back and look towards God, look towards His Spirit in those moments, meaning being still for a moment, waiting for Him. In Isaiah 40, it says those who wait on the Lord will receive, will renew their strength. We need to wait on the Lord to receive and to see so that, so that we can live by the Spirit. And to land, I, I want to read for you guys John 16, verse 13. And speaking about Jesus, speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, when the truth, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of it on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And I want to encourage you all today that the spirit of truth is here with us. The spirit has come. 
It's in us, it's around us, it's living through us and working through us, our helper. And, but it is still up to us to surrender our own plans, to live this good life, follow our steps. This own checklist that we have, that we think we need to follow to have this, to be the good Christian, this good kid. And we need to allow the Spirit to guide us into living out our daily gospel. It says here to guide into all the truth. We know Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit, the Spirit will guide us in this daily gospel to Jesus, looking more like him, which is in essence what we are here for on earth, to be sons of him and to look like him and reflect him to the world. Yeah, so I think let's just close our eyes in this moment. Yes, Lord, we thank you that you came down, Father. You came down to seek and save the lost, Father. We were all sinners, Lord Jesus, and you came to save us, Lord, Father. But Lord, your, your gift of the gospel, Father, wasn't only for that moment, for, the, for us to get saved, Father. It was a gift for us, Father. It was the power, Lord Jesus, Father, to live out this, this Christian life, Father, as sons and daughters, all in your kingdom, in your house, Father, waiting anxiously, Father, for your coming, Lord Jesus, God. Lord, and it was for us, Father, to enter into deep and intimate relationship with you, Lord. And God, that there might be some of you here who, is, who are hearing now about this daily gospel, but for you, you haven't experienced that first moment, that first moment of accepting Jesus, that first time, as we read about, receiving Christ Jesus now. You haven't experienced that receiving him, coming into your life, and you can feel the Lord knocking on the door of your heart and saying that he wants to come in. And I do want to pray for you guys as well. If there is someone here who has not you know, accepted the gospel for the first time, then you can, you're more than welcome to raise up your hands. All eyes are closed. We love to pray with you and for you and see you come into the family of God, come, in, come into the kingdom of God. Just give a time for that if there is someone like that. That if all of you are brothers and sisters, then fantastic, fantastic. And, th and then also I think something that all of us can say yes to for th this year, and it's something that, that's going to go through this year, but we're going to start with it tomorrow, in this week, in the now, for all of us who still need to surrender areas of our lives where we are trusting in our own abilities, our own strategy, our own power, and not relying on the Spirit to help us live out this daily gospel. For me, I can think of many things keeping me back. It's by God's power, by His Spirit, that we are able to surrender these things. So for those of you who want to join with me in this thing for this year, starting tomorrow, starting in this week, and surrendering where we are relying on ourselves to live out this daily gospel, also just raise your hand as I pray for us. Yes, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the, for the desire of your people, of your children, Lord Jesus. To say, Lord, not in my own strength, not in my own ways, Father, but in your ways. Let your spirit guide, Father. Let your spirit come and teach us and guide us towards the truth, Father, through Jesus, Lord. Lord, come and convict us, not only now, Father, but constantly, Father, as we walk this road with you, Lord. So that we can be held in check, Father, through your power, through your spirit, Father, so that we can reflect you, Father. Be a healthy church, a healthy saint, Father, in your kingdom, in your house, Father. Because, Father, you are gracious enough. Father, to welcome us into your family, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, Father, give us the courage and the boldness, Father, to go out even, Father, to those who haven't heard this gospel at all, to go and share with them, Father, and see a harvest of people coming into your kingdom. Lord, we have the faith and we trust for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And all his children said, Amen.